Welcome everyone. I am Karen Rossiter. Thank you so much for joining us for our last in our uh, Summer with Sphere webinar. Uh, oh, North Carolina too. Well, clearly it's storming everywhere. Um, anyway, so thank you for joining us tonight. I understand that school is starting soon or it's already started where you already have meetings. Uh, John said he just came off uh, from football practice. So I know a lot of things are going on. So thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have a discussion about bringing civil discourse to your classroom, so more of an application workshop. Um, if you were at Summit, you've seen Betty or John, and if you've not, um, you're in for a real treat because they are going to um, discuss how they have difficult discussions in their classroom. So I'm quickly going to introduce our two panelists, and then we will get started. So I'm going to start with John. John Questberry is a public school teacher at Woodrow Wilson High School in Beckley, West Virginia. He was the 2014 Gilder Lerman History of the uh, History Teacher of the Year for his state, and has also served as the president of the West Virginia Council for Social Studies. He currently teaches AP U.S. History, Comprehensive U.S. History, and AP U.S. Government. Very busy. He sponsors the school's Model UN. We the People and Youth Leadership Programs, along with the school's new Diverse Students Organization. He's also a member of the Executive Committee for the West Virginia Education Association and president of the Raleigh County Education Association. He coaches middle school football and serves as a Sunday school teacher and servant speaker uh, in the United Methodist Church. He has a strong interest in promoting and developing civic engagement, civil public discourse, civic virtue, problem solving, and a respect for diversity of opinion among our students. Betty is joining us uh, as well. Betty Norgan is an experienced K-8 multilingual teacher with the Benjamin School District 25 in Chicago. She informs district uh, multilingual policy and provides professional development to her district on multilingual matters. Uh, she's the creator of three websites, classrules.org, which provides uh, resource collection supporting the instruction of diverse learners, wisdomfromsocks.com. I always like that, reading that name. And uh, a student teacher website that shares digital wisdom and civicsleuths.org, uh, web checking tools to help teachers and students tell facts from fiction online. Uh, Betty is a member of the International Society for Technology and Education and a 2021 um, ISTE live conference presenter on practical artificial intelligence strategies for the classroom. She serves in the Illinois State Museum Teachers Advisory Group and leads a weekly mobile food distribution for foodthing.org. Betty is a passionate advocate for teaching all students to find their voice. She supports building bridges even when it's hard. So after reading those uh, bios, I think it's pretty obvious why we picked these two uh, wonderful teachers to kind of talk to us tonight and to give people some ideas about how to have those conversations in your classroom. We thought this would be good timing for everyone because you are getting started with the new uh, with your new year and you're going to have fresh students and it's really a time to kind of start everything over if last year was a little rough and you you want to start with a nice clean slate and get that civil discourse um, started from the beginning. So. Uh, we're just going to jump right in. Feel free to, in the chat, if you have questions, we will ask them either, uh, Betty and John, if you see the questions come in and you feel like they fit in and you can answer them while they come in, that's fine. If not, uh, we can wait till the end and we can also, um, we can also ask questions at the end. So uh, let's get started. Um, Betty, I know you've prepared a PowerPoint and um, so 
let's get into that. So how do you have these hard conversations, especially in middle school? I think um, for the middle school teachers out there, I think it's a special kind of um, difficulty to have these questions. So um, why don't you get started for us? Thank you. Sure, I think you're right. A special kind of difficulty is exactly <laughs> the way to describe it. Um, and, and the way I see it is setting yourself up for success isn't a hard thing, but it does take some thought and planning and doing some things in the front end to make your daily civil discourse flow smoothly. So I'm going to talk about how we can set norms, develop empathy on the front end, give kids strategies, and just make sure that it becomes a routine. So we'll go ahead and head to the next slide. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> you can go again. Just <laughs> Yes, so we're going to make sure that we talk about planning ahead to create a successful lesson. And it is, this is not something you want to just wing it. Say, say there's some crazy thing that happens and kids want to have a huge discussion about it. I understand that and sometimes it can it can be a good thing but you need to set up the guardrails in advance to make sure that your discussions stay in a healthy place. So always plan ahead to create the routines that will make your lessons healthy. We can go to the next one. So uh, I talked about this at Sphere Summit but just reminding everybody and I know that I'm working with so many beautiful, capable educators. And on this, on this webinar, there's so many people that know a lot and could share so many things. But um, what I think are the most important things are number one, really setting the guardrails up in advance. So careful planning and preparation are what's gonna give you a successful lesson. And making sure that you start by teaching empathy. Empathy, in how we understand each other and how we respect each other, even when we disagree, maybe especially when we disagree um, and making that very real, not just we've memorized the term empathy, but we really understand and we've practiced empathy with each other. Because if we learn that in the beginning, then having these harder discussions is gonna go much smoother. So starting out with empathy and then making sure you develop the class norms as a group, you let people have a voice in developing those norms. And when you set those up, you have them displayed in the classroom and you refer to them throughout every time you're doing a civil discourse lesson. So that's one, really planning, setting up the guardrails in advance. Two, the tools like sentence stems for kiddos that are maybe multilingual or perhaps a little shy. If the child's having a hard time, and they don't know what to say, if you give them the sentence structure to be able to put their thoughts into it, they're gonna be much more successful. So the tools like sentence stems, and maybe sometimes instead of just doing a whole group, you've got the think, pair, share, just in partners. Maybe sometimes it's small groups, so it's at your discretion. Um, and your multilingual kids and all your kids will actually benefit from this. Um, third, just really think through your strategy. So what fits my lesson? If I'm teaching maybe something um, where I want kids to be able to practice trading opinions and, and both sides, maybe we wanna do um, philosophical chairs. 
maybe we want to do structured academic uh, controversy or a PBL design. You can change the actual structure of your lesson up as long as you have the norms and the sentence starters in place. Um, and you can, you can kind of make it fun and do different things while still keeping it a routine. And then four really is just make sure it is a routine. This is something you do weekly or maybe bi-weekly. It doesn't have to be the exact same lesson, but you do things, you change it up while at the same time, you still have those basic structures to keep your healthy discussions going. So yeah, we can go to the next slide. So what does it look like? Um, students are researching, they're preparing. It's not the teacher talking at the students, it's the teacher guiding the students and facilitating them. And we've already developed our norms, so we are respecting each other. Students learn to restate each other's views and build on them and encourage each other and engage each other. So if there is a child who's maybe struggling, the kids have learned to ask, to get them to build on what they're trying to say. So we don't leave anybody out and the kids learn to look for ways to include their peers. So they're also gonna reflect on their viewpoints before the process, during the process and after, and maybe they're gonna see that their viewpoints have changed. And that's a beautiful thing to see that they have flexibility of thinking, right? And then lastly, teachers are gonna be giving feedback and students are gonna be giving feedback to each other so that everybody's growing in their speaking and listening skills. Okay, we can go on. So a couple things to think about are that when you're doing this, I know many teachers have a concern about what the community, the administrators or the parents might think. Because when we start discussing things that people disagree on, people could jump to conclusions if it's not handled in the right way. So before you do any lesson, think through, how's this topic relevant? If I have to explain this to parents, this topic is relevant to my class because have that thought out. Why are we having this discussion? Be able to explain why are we having this discussion? It's not to make everybody think the same way, but rather to learn, to discuss, to respect, and to empathize with each other. And then explain those structures that are in place to keep the discussions healthy. We can move on. So if parents are concerned that their kids might be brainwashed, one of the things that we can do is communicate on the front end that we're not converting kids to a certain viewpoint, but rather giving them an opportunity to listen to each other and develop their listening and speaking skills. Because what we wanna do is develop healthy speaking and the ability to communicate, to find our voice. If you give parents this knowledge on the front end, it helps because then they can, um, they can come back at you with their questions that they might have concerns about before it would turn into something that, that could be um, a real issue. So dealing with everything in the front end in a way that explains that you've got safety structures, that you're doing it to balance all sides is gonna help this to go much smoother. Okay. 
Something else to keep in mind is that parents may be thinking about the discourse that they see in the media and online and maybe even in their community. And they may be thinking that that's what's gonna be happening in your classroom, but that's not. So if you think about the features of talk in, in the media and online, it's not, I mean, yes, it should be moderated, but not always very well. May not be following ground rules. Um, people may not be basing their opinions on evidence or research. Um, and they may not be listening to actually hear other perspectives, right? A lot of times people are in echo chambers. However, in your classroom, when you're doing this well, the discussion is moderated and you have class norms to keep it safe. You always make sure students learn that they're gonna be basing their, um, their speech off of evidence and reasons. And they're gonna be practicing listening and being able to debate or discuss, deliberate both sides of the issue. So by the end of the discussion, they've heard many different sides and they've dealt with it respectfully. Okay, so how do you handle it when you have a monopolizing student? The class norms are where you're gonna be setting that up for success. So having time speaking limits will help them to not go on and on and on. Um, and also when you give kids a chance to reflect with rubrics, how did I do? Did I respect others? Did I talk on in a way that was monopolizing the conversation, giving them a chance to reflect on their performance to improve is one way to help them. Some teachers are concerned there will be mayhem, right? Let's hope not. I don't think there will be, but let's just say they have a situation and something is just a little too fired up. Just stop the discussion, refer to the classroom norms, and then have students reflect on what happened. They can think, pair, share, you can discuss as a group, you can process and decide how you wanna handle it from there. And if there is a tragedy in the news, just remember that this is not the time to debate the issue. It may be strong in kids' hearts, but discussion should be focused on topics that are not raw or painful to anyone in the room. And if this is raw or painful, it's not an appropriate topic. It's time for a discussion about feelings and reactions, but not debates. We're not trying to win. We're not trying to convince. We're trying to deliberate. Okay. So I'm not going to read this to you, but this is um, the lesson that I created for Cato. It is a middle school level lesson based on Stossel, both sides in the classroom. And I'll just explain a little bit about that. So um, we'll go to the next slide and I'll show you piece by piece. I kind of broke it down. Okay, just like I talked about, we're gonna prepare. So before you start any lesson, you prepared it with classroom norms um, and you have created your own poster with classroom norms. This is one that I've created for this lesson. You can also um, print and put that up in your classroom just to remind the students that this is a safe space that everybody contributes and actively listens and we stay on topic. And this is how we're gonna do it in a healthy way. So when you're going to take um, 
my lesson. It's based on Stossel, both sides in the classroom. So this resource has a pro and a con on every topic. So if they're going to be um, dealing with one of the topics that's appropriate for your class, you've chosen it for your class, students are gonna be exposed to both the pro and the con, right? So as, as you are pre-selecting this, you're making sure it fits into your standards and what you need to accomplish for your class. And the objective, right, is to um, be able to productively consider and discuss different sides of a topic. And we're giving the support structures of norms, sentence stems, and then they get the information from both sides. You can also have them research um, online or with other materials. So they're gonna be practicing active listening and healthy discourse skills to connect and challenge each other and support each other. But it's also important to remember that this is an accessible lesson. Um, there's closed captions on Stossel and you can do some good work with pairing learners together to help multilinguals of different proficiencies to succeed. Um, you can also use the talk stems that I have created and those can be used for this lesson or any lesson and those will be coming in the next slide. So if you take a look at this lesson on the website, this is something you'll find. You can print this out, give these to students. These are the sentence starters that I created. You can create your own. Um, you can use these or if you have something else that works for you, but giving students sentence starters to help them communicate empowers them because then they can say what they're really feeling rather than having the, the fear and the nervousness hold them back because maybe it's difficult for them to come up with a way to say their thoughts. So sentence starters available to all students. And you're gonna pre-teach vocabulary and you're also going to give them a rubric so they know in advance how they're going to be graded as well as self-grading. This gives them a, a, a reason and a chance to reflect. So then the guided practice is where um, the kids will take turns watching the Stossel Pro, the Stossel Con, they'll be taking notes on it and you'll have them discussing. You will work the groups as you see fit. Um, and then you'll come together as a class and be able to process what we've learned. But they have discussed both sides of an issue, whichever issue you've chosen that's appropriate for your class. And then just making sure that we always summarize and end up on a high note, right? We've stated our evidence, our ideas with evidence. We've always respected each other's viewpoints and we've challenged and encouraged one another. So it's just, it's really important that this is the focus. It's not, I'm winning, you're winning, I'm right, you're right. It's how are we better together? How are we learning from each other? And then if we're gonna extend it, you can do a lot of different things. You can turn it into a writing project. You can have presentations, they can do more research. So there's a lot of different things you can do with this. And then if you wanted access to those resources that I've created, these are some websites that I've made and different things you can um, take a look at later. So thank you.
Thank you so much. Um, so there are questions, but we'll wait. We'll make sure we can have uh, John come through and then we'll do questions at the end. I want to say um, I love the posters uh, that you wrote that you created for us, but also that rubric. I think that no matter what class you teach, if you actually look at that rubric, I think that for most discussions, you can use that rubric, right? And I think it's so good for reflection because when I, you had it up and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, you know, some of those things you can look and say, like, I like think on some of the lower scoring ones, it's like, I didn't engage. I didn't have that conversation. And I think that, um, I love that. The kids can be like, okay, I didn't do that. And then next time, maybe they go from the zero points to the one point and then they can build up because the shy kids or the kids that aren't comfortable. Um, so I really love that rubric too. I always talk about the posters, but then it just like when I was reading through the rubric again, I was like, wow, this could be good for any conversation. So I just want to throw that out there. I know it's a middle school um, lesson, but I think that upper school teachers can use it just as easily in different parts of it. So I just want to say that. Okay, so John, you have a different set um, of students because you teach high school and you teach, um, I think I read A Push and AP Government, right? So you have these topics. Uh, coming it up in your classes all the time and you also um, have kind of older students so you know how do you plan for these discussions or you know what ideas can you give us to help us start this new year on the right foot well I think that building a good culture is the key thing in this and there are several things one is trying to build a sense of trust uh, kids have to know that you care about them, that their opinions matter. Um, having older students, I'm very sarcastic. I use humor. I, I grew up in the 70s with a lot of the insult humor. Um, but you have to be careful that it's not a joke about something that is personal to someone. Um, and also, I actually try to be an equal opportunity offender. I will show Bushisms of President George W. Bush, and then I'll show President Joe Biden and things that he had um, flubbed up on, things that he had said. So the kids pretty much know that I don't have something against one or the other, but we all make mistakes that can be laughed at. Um, and, and I've mentioned before this summer, using examples both historical and current and personal, is a very good way to do that. And sometimes that's hard and you have to be use some discretion. What personal examples do you want to, to share? Is it appropriate to the maturity level of the kids you have and to their background? But it's very important for them to see that someone can grow and change over time, that someone can be more than the product of their environment. Um, part of teaching kids respect is that we need to learn to see each other beyond labels. That we're more than just whatever identity group we belong to, more than our geography, even more than our views. And part of that, people often say we have to give each other the grace to be wrong. We have to allow for students and adults to make mistakes and teach that idea of the power of redemption, that we can grow, we can change. Um, one of the worst segregationists of all time, George Wallace, who, who stood at the um, door 
while the tanks were outside saying segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Later in his career, he did come back into public office and tried to reach out to the black community where he was. And kids need to know that. That doesn't absolve what was done earlier in his life, but it does show that we as human beings have the capacity to learn and to grow and to change. So when we're trying to teach kids, we need to make sure we have both positive examples to inspire, to motivate, to give them hope and belief, but also negative examples of things that were done wrong so we know what to be on the lookout for, so they know how to stand up against things that are wrong. Um, along with trust, empathy is another one. And someone had asked when we were at Sphere in the summer, um, I think they were from a very rural community, uh, mainly white, and were asking, how do you get kids to understand what people of a different background have faced if, if they've never come into contact? And I said, coming from West Virginia, some of my students may not know what many um, of their black classmates may have gone through but I will have them think, have you ever been a victim of a stereotype? Have people believed things about you because where you're from, you're a hillbilly, you're a redneck. How did that feel? And when students can put themselves in the place of ridicule or being looked down upon as the other, it opens their eyes to be able to recognize other people. Maybe when we're talking civil rights, it's African-Americans. Maybe when we're talking uh, more modern history, it's um, Muslim Americans. It could be all different groups of people. It could be a religious group, um, a sexual orientation group, all types of different things. But seeing the person as a person. Um, one of the things that I have always felt good about in my AP US history class, when we're doing the lesson on the antebellum South and slavery, there's a PowerPoint I use, and it has a picture of the old Sambo image. And it gives me hope because most of the students have never heard of this. And I will stop right there and say, that shows the progress we've made. But then I will show them the image. And I will, I'll ask, why would somebody be portrayed this way over exaggerated features, the um, way people were shown talking in the word bubbles. And it's not hard to get older kids to see. If you can treat someone as a joke, you don't really have to worry as much how they feel. If someone is portrayed as less than human or less than you, it's easy to turn a blind eye to their suffering or injustice. Um, so those are things that can be awakenings, aha moments with kids. The, the empathy, sometimes students may not want to talk about personal things that are happening about themselves. So sometimes they may be more willing to journal or to write or ask a student, is there someone you know who suffered or was mistreated and have them write about that person 
And then how did that make you feel? Why do you think people treated them that way? Um, it, it gets those juices flowing and opens the mind quite a bit. One of, one of the other things along with trust and, and empathy, I think, is modeling. I don't know if, do you want me to talk about what we did this summer with the adults or? Yeah, because I think people, I think that's really important to model it, and I think people appreciated it. So thank you. Well, uh, when I took over as faculty senate chair, you know, we usually, our faculty senate meetings in a lot of schools were either a gripe session or just something you had to do and you didn't want to be there. And the first time I sent out requesting items for the agenda, the first two comments I got were, could we practice kindness? And how about we encourage each other? And that's becoming a mission for us. Because if we want to build culture where the kids see themselves as part of a unified body, that's something we need to build, a we-ness. We are a we. Then we have to model that. We have to be more respectful of each other. So we started things um, like passing out the calendar at the beginning of the year for birthdays. Everyone receives a birthday card. Uh, we start with pats on the back, compliments, uh, acknowledgments of things that people have done to make the school or someone's life better. It can be another teacher, service personnel, a student. We have a from the heart session at the end where we share with those who have lost a, fam a loved one, a family member, uh, who are celebrating the birth of a new child, a promotion. Uh, we'll do gag gifts throughout just to lighten the mood, to make jokes, but to make everyone feel like, you know, I like to be here. And as we try to build on those things, then we've tried to emphasize when we're meeting, just like with our kids in the classroom, when we're discussing difficult topics, we want to get beyond the blame or the venting and decide what's the solution? What can we do? So let's focus on problem solving. Um, and that's something we're still in the process, we're working on, but I think we've made a lot of, of growth in that. Um, and kids see that. Um, you had mentioned that when we were talking this summer about how kids know if teachers don't like each other or which ones talk about the other or can't stand. We've really got to model that, that yes, I may disagree with this teacher, but they're still my friend. I still respect them. Um, another place where that is easier to do sometimes in the classroom is in athletics. Um, I coach middle school and this was our first week and I've already been talking about do you have siblings that you don't get along with? Are they still part of your family? You know, that as a team and a team sport, what each of us does has an effect on the other. And even if we don't always get along or we're competing for a playing spot, we still are a family, a group that shares something in common. And I believe that that's something we have a unique opportunity and a unique responsibility. And all schools are like that, but especially public schools where you go with whoever lives around you. 
the school systems and the military are the places where we cannot segregate ourselves with just people like us. And it forces us to see others and to work with and to learn with and learn from. Um, one of the tools that works well in social studies classes is just a simple thing, the four corners. Um, we did this with the kneeling with Colin Kaepernick. And we started off with that. I played clips of President Trump saying, fire all of the so-and-sos. Then a picture of President Trump air directing during the national anthem. Um, Merle Haggard singing about only crippled soldiers and me give a blank about the flag. So a lot of different viewpoints. And then we went out in the hall and talked about should someone kneel during the national anthem as a form of political protest? Should someone um, burn the flag? Should um, someone have to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? Do you strongly agree, disagree, strongly disagree, or um, agree? Some of the kids ended up moving spaces. Um, but what's good is they're surrounded with other people that think like they do at first, so they feel safe, they can discuss their view and not get attacked. Then as you discuss as a whole group, and that's where what was said earlier about those ground rules, those norms. It was amazing to hear some students who's like, I totally disagree because you don't understand what it's like if you're the victim of racism or police brutality. But I understand since you've got someone fighting in the military why that would upset you and vice versa. I see why you're upset, but that just bothers me because, you know, my uncle died fighting in the military. So the flag means but they were expressing their opinions and explaining why, whether than attacking each other. And that's where the civil discourse comes, where you can disagree, but still like the person. One of the biggest sources of hope I had this year was at the end of the year, I asked one of my regular ed classes, not the AP, how many of you have friends that you disagree with on a lot of things or even everything? Do you still like them? And they raised their hands on both. And I said, you're the hope for us. You know, that's what you need to model for us as teachers. Um, but there are lots of different ways to build this. I think another way is trying to have students write from other perspectives. Someone had written a question about how do you get them to research different views without the extremist or the conspiracy views. I think it would be good to actually teach a lesson, and I can't remember who had it, but there was a good one on different media sources. Are they left of center, right of center, moderate, or conspiracy theories? And then require so many, you have to have a source from each of these viewpoints, and um, you know, to let them know the ones that aren't reputable uh, organizations. And something else I read, um, The Principle of Charity in Coddling of the American Mind. Such a good book. We've got to teach students and remember with each other 
that sometimes people don't mean anything bad by what they say. Give someone the benefit of the doubt when they're speaking instead of automatically assuming that they are attacking or insulting or belittling someone else. Um, if, if we're focusing on the problem solving instead of the guilt or the blame, if we're giving people that ability to be wrong and to grow and that principle of charity, I think we can build the trust and the empathy and kids can handle a lot more than we realize they're capable of. Devil's advocate's another good thing. <laughs> I think every social studies teacher uses that or having people argue the opposite point of view that they normally agree with so they can understand that. And when, when also teaching kids, ask questions in a respectful way. Um, I've mentioned before this class of 10 kids I was lucky to have once with five black, five white, white teacher, black student aide. And the kids would ask each other anything. And they would usually start by saying, I don't mean anything by this, but why do? Or what do you mean when? And they would explain it to each other. And they learned from each other. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. Um, I have so much to say about this. Because I said a lot during um, the summit as well. I said I wish John was my high school history teacher, but um, <laughs> I know there's other people that agree out there. Um, I think that there's so many important things. You talked about the modeling, and I mentioned that during the summit too. I think that kids watch you outside the classroom. So if you're a coach, how, you know, you can't just, I think it's really important that you're not like, okay, in the classroom, you're like this, but then when you're in the hallway or you're in a club or you're on the field, then you don't practice the same thing. So I think it's really important for teachers to be consistent with that. And then also, like you said, respect each other as, um, professionals and other teachers and adults. So I love that. Um, I also, Can you know, I say something about coaching? Yes, go ahead, please. I think it's so uh, important. Kind. <laughs> think about what's been going on the last few years with yeah. anytime someone loses an election, it's, it's crooked, it's robbed, it was stolen. Why is that a surprise to us? <laughs> People in my own profession, every time we lose a game, we got cheated. It was corrupted. The rep. <laughs> You're right. And we don't think that builds. Um, that's one of the things our state association and the National Federation of High School Sports emphasizes every year is sportsmanship. It's emphasized, but we don't always model it. And it does carry over to, well, you just hate me, is so why you gave me a bad grade. Yeah, no, you're right. You know what? I never thought about that. I'm going to have to stop saying that when my son's team loses now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alan, I know you're like, yes, you do. Uh, no, that's a really good point that when you're watching sports, even when you're just watching it and you're like, oh, that, you know, that referee doesn't know what they're doing or the umpire, you know, like they don't know what they're talking about. And um, I think that's a really good point. So thank you. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, somebody just said that. Yeah, pivoting. John said, yeah, pivoting blame is really prevalent. And I think we all have to be aware of that. And I think we do it in all parts of our lives. So um, thank you so much. Um, your students, I think I can tell. I mean, I don't know them. But just hearing about the discussion, I think that you must they must trust you a lot to have these discussions in your classroom and feel um, 
really respected and heard. So I think that's awesome. So thank you so much for um, talking about all of this. Uh, we do have some questions. So I'm just gonna jump around, uh, some for Betty and some for John. So uh, Betty, Stephanie wanted to know, so when you communicate with teachers, she asked, do you send an email or a letter home? Do parents have to sign it? Because I know you mentioned communicating with parents. So, you know, how formal is it? Or can you just send a quick note home? In my district, best, but I think, you know, I, I start by communicating with administrators and here's my intention, here's why I'm doing it, so that if there's a concern or a question, they're going to get it first, probably, right? So if they know that what I'm doing is being done well, and it's with good intention, and then the emails would be the next step. Um, and then if parents have questions, which I haven't had. Um, I think if you set it up, not as, oh no, we're doing something dangerous, but we're doing this to make everybody grow their skills, respect each other, then it's a good thing and people feel excited about it. Awesome, thank you. I think that's a good, um, I think, yeah, communication is really key to kind of letting everybody know so the kid doesn't come home and kind of shock them. Um, I think, John, you actually mentioned this one, but you, um, this is another one for you, Betty. Uh, how do you guide your research so students are exposed to diverse ideas, but avoid the extremists? So John, you kind of mentioned that for your students and the high school kids, but do you have any, uh, Betty, for middle school kids? It might be a little harder. It's be a little so, more strict. Maybe. BritannicaProCon.org has um, pretty safe, non-extremist things that that we can use also i'm i'm a big fan of including video resources so i would in addition accumulate a fair number of i would select them so i wouldn't just say go research on your own guys i would have like pre-selected resources for them to use awesome mm -hmm. thank you so much um john uh, you mentioned students disagreeing but still liking the teacher, to what extent should a teacher make their own values or your own political um, beliefs known? I can make the argument either way. Okay. <laughs> My personal preference though, is I like to stay neutral and they don't know. Um, so I play devil's advocate as much as possible. Even there are a couple of events, um, issues that it's very hard for me to take the other point of view. But I try to say, this is what someone who is pro-choice says. This is what someone who is pro-life, what they believe and why each one would feel that way. Um, I think it's better if you try to stay neutral, which is why it's really important to use positive examples from every side of the political spectrum and negative. So that kids can't actually guess what you are because we've become so trained to automatically turn off the other side. And I want them to focus on this is why each side believes it. Now you think about what you believe is right and you choose. Um, and, and I was real good at that for a long time. Kids couldn't figure out. I had the same year somebody asking me to sponsor the teenage Republican and somebody else talking about, they just knew I loved Barack Obama. <laughs> Good that, job. Wow. You really that, had to. <laughs> yeah. 
worked for a few years and one kid said i know somebody that works at the county courthouse so i had them look and see what your party affiliation was what but they didn't know wow wow when i say they're they do pay attention wow i don't think it's a bad idea to share some of your personal experiences or your beliefs if you preface it with this is what i believe in why but it's my opinion and you don't have to agree but i think you're more likely to get kids to listen to what you're saying if they don't think you have some bias going in or they don't have a bias against what they think you are yeah oh that's great um Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just reading everybody's comments. So thank you so much for the comments because everybody's talking about how they use the different um, websites or how students try to figure out they can look online in Florida. Is that what it said? In Florida, you can look online to see what how the person uh, voted. So well, registered to vote. So that's uh, very interesting. I did not know that. Shannon. Um, okay. yeah. Yes, go ahead. Shannon had a great comment about students not understanding someone can be wrong and still be a good person. Yes. But that does my heart good to see that. Yeah. And that okay. modeling that Peter said, that is so important. Because I just told the kids first day of practice, look someone in the eye, listen. It, it yep. shows you respect them, plus you're focused and you want to learn. But sometimes we don't do that like he was saying. We need to make sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you're talking about the four corners as well, that kids actually move from one corner to another is is amazing, right? Because they admit like a lot of, you know, it's hard to admit like, oh, I, this is what I believe. But because I listen to somebody, like I am going to change my beliefs. So I love that teenagers can are doing that and can do that. So um, no, that's great to hear. You're right. That does give me hope as well. So um, so I'm just looking at the comments. So sorry, everyone. Uh, are there any other questions from anyone? Do we have any other questions? let's see no okay just comments coming in alrighty then um oh people are just talking all right so <laughs> it looks like we have just comments um Alan did you have any announcements before we go or I don't know if you want to talk about anything before I go before we sign off but no you're good no okay nothing to like I was gonna say like you know what's coming up or anything if there's anything that <laughs> oh, no, I was stuck there for a second about. I couldn't unmute myself Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Uh, okay. So nothing, nothing significant. We're going to be rolling out our, our fall webinars here in the, the next few weeks. So look out for those. We'll be starting in September. Also, the team's going to be on the road pretty extensively. Uh, so we'll be in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, end of next week. So if you know any teachers in North Carolina, we'd love to host them. Uh, and then we'll be all throughout the fall through uh, conferences in a whole variety of different places. Eric, we'll be in Orlando in October. I don't have anything in North Florida, but if you want to bring us in, we'll come join you, uh, particularly as it gets cold out. Uh, so if you're, <laughs> you're looking for opportunities, you want to bring Sphere on the Road, please, by all means, reach out. Otherwise, uh, looking forward to seeing you all at future webinars. And uh, do check out these uh, the lesson plans. We've got uh, uh, Betty's online and a whole variety of additional fantastic ones. So by all means, go check those out, uh, cato.org slash sphere. Uh, you can find all of those up there. Otherwise, thanks, Karen, John, and Betty. Yeah, thank fantastic you guys tonight. so much. Thank you for the great conversation today, too. Um, in the chat, everybody was really focused and uh, really sharing some good websites and ideas. So I appreciate that tonight. Thank you, everyone. And Betty, enjoy your vacation. <laughs> and I appreciate you doing this, John. Good luck this football season. Karen, have you got time for a couple of resources 
I can oh, throw, sure. If you're social studies teacher, there's a set of books called Decision Making in the Social Studies Classroom. Everything is written from the perspective of you were there. You're a civil rights leader. You're a white segregation. You're Alexander Hamilton. You're John F. Kennedy at the Bay of Pigs. It doesn't tell you what's going to happen. It forces you to focus on solving the problem, which is part of what we want kids to do. And there's another uh, book called Ethical Dilemmas in the Social Studies Classroom, which is really good at teaching not just what's a good decision, but the difference between fact and opinion, between um, good and bad, moral, immoral. It, it lets kids explore things from a lot of different perspectives. And, and one last one is the Youth Leadership Initiative, YLI. They, if you're teaching civics, they have a lot of activities where you take an assessment and it shows you which candidates you agree with, but it doesn't label who they are. You don't find that out until after. And I had one girl that was heartbroken because she was like, no, I am not like him. I do not like him. But she agreed with him, and it, it forced her to think about her preconceptions. Those were all good things to, to get kids thinking and focusing on problem solving instead of just attacking who they disagree with. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, that's great for teachers starting the year. That's some great, those sound like really good um, resources. Uh, yeah, somebody um, said podcast as well. If you can find a short, sweet podcast for kids, I think that um, that's good for all levels and grades. Um, and I think that podcasts just, you know, the kids that aren't quick readers or great writers or the uh, multilingual kids and stuff like that, I think that podcasts are really helpful these days. So um, thank you, everybody, for those resources. And John, thank you. And Betty's PowerPoint. Um, we have it, so when we send out the link, is that okay, Betty? Uh, when we send out the link, we'll also send out her PowerPoint because that last page also has all the resources, a bunch of resources on there. So um, I think that'll be helpful for everyone. So go ahead. I'm sorry. If you go to the Civic Sleuth website, there's a ton of resources okay. on there just pertaining to all of this. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, all right, everyone. Well, if you haven't started school, enjoy your last few days of summer. If you have started, good luck and have a wonderful year. And um, thank you for joining us, everyone. Good night.